DealQuest listeners, I am so excited to have Ashley Perret coming up on the DealQuest podcast. Ashley is all about owning your worth and works mainly with women. And the wisdom she brought is amazing. So Ashley, can you give them a little preview of what they're going to hear on your episode of DealQuest? Yes. Awesome, Corey. Thanks again for having me. And our conversation was really insightful in terms of being able to bounce ideas off of you and the inner work that you've done to be able to own your value, but also transform your relationship with money. And so you'll hear on our talk, the inner work that we've done as business owners, the inner work we've done as negotiators, and I'll share some insider tips in terms of not only running a business, but working with my clients, women in corporate who are growing their career, getting paid fairly and competitively, and really just how to tap back into that confident inner child who knows she's worth it all. And who asked for the biggest piece of cake. Yes, asked for that biggest piece. And if you want to hear that story, <laughs> listen in to the episode of the DealQuest podcast with Ashley Perret. Do you want your business to grow faster? Are you open to new and out-of-the-box ways to drive revenues and increase value? How do you imagine the most successful entrepreneurs and business leaders double, triple, or expand their businesses tenfold or more? The answer is deals. This is a weekly podcast featuring conversations with business owners, executives, and leaders as we reveal behind-the-scenes details that give you, our listeners, the confidence to pursue your own deal-driven growth. On the show, we discuss a huge variety of deals, everything from large complex mergers and acquisitions to smaller deals that you can do even without significant capital. My name is Corey Kupfer, and I've been supporting deal-driven growth for businesses for 35 years as a successful entrepreneur, professional negotiator, and attorney. My goal is to help you strategize, plan for, find, and complete deals that will help your company grow faster. Welcome to the DealQuest podcast. Let's get started. Ashley Perret gives leaders the tools to own their worth and the courage to ask for what they want. Past clients have negotiated $35,000 raises, started their own businesses, and landed executive level leadership positions. Ashley is the CEO and founder of Own Your Worth, an organization breaking glass ceilings. She leverages over a decade of global human resources experience to bridge the gap between employers and employees and created the Activator to empower leaders of the future. Ashley is a TEDx speaker, has been featured on in the New York Times, Glamour, CNN, Good Morning America, and more. She resides in Boston with her husband and her son. And I am thrilled to have Ashley Perret on the DealQuest podcast. Welcome, Ashley. Thank you so much, Corey. Excited to be here. So before we get into everything you do in terms of working with folks, mainly women, and training them on negotiating and owning their worth, I want to take you back to when you were a little girl growing up. And what did you want to be? Because I'm guessing training folks on negotiating and on their worth probably wasn't it at 8, 10, 12 years old, but tell me if I'm wrong. <laughs> no, that was not it. But sometimes it feels like I've come full circle. So when I was younger, I wanted to be an author. So I always wanted to write a book. And I thought I also wanted to be a psychologist and I wanted to live in London. So those were the three things that I knew. And honestly, being in HR, I was a version of a psychologist and now as a coach. So that's what I thought I was going to be growing up. I wrote an autobiography in, I think, middle school or high school. And I thought that was so cool. And yeah, it led me somehow to negotiation in the end. Love it. And what was your first deal of any type that you can remember? It could be some small thing when you were younger or early in your career or something. What's the first deal of any type you can remember? Oh, really the first one that stands out to me where I felt 
good about it and confident was I negotiated my very first job outside of college. And looking back on that now, it's because I didn't know any better. I didn't know the rules, so to say, of corporate. And I had just graduated from college. I had student loans. I wanted to be able to afford an apartment in Boston. And I thought, you know what? I I want to make more than what I was making in my last internship because I have a college degree now. And so I remember asking, I got a job offer for $15 an hour. And I remember asking for $16 an hour. And the head of HR gave me fifteen fifty. So it was really my first lesson in negotiation. <laughs> and you split the difference. Okay, yeah. I love it. I love it. So I want to actually jump right into this piece about negotiating and owning your worth. So listeners, Ashley has a, a great TEDx talk that I watched. You should look it up. And in that, Ashley, you talk about, you know, show a picture of a video and talk about the video of when you were a little girl and at your birthday party and you said, I want the biggest piece of cake, right? And you didn't hesitate to say it. And then you contrasted that to earlier in in your career as an adult where you weren't standing for your value. So before we get to all the great work, the lessons you've learned and what you do with folks now to help them stand for their value, I'm really curious because I've raised this issue on the podcast before I talk about it in my book a little bit on why I think folks in general, but, but women even more so, often, you know, are socialized not to own their value. So I really want to get into that piece of it. Like what happened to you and many other folks in between that little girl and, you know, when you were older? And I will say, so we don't have to preface every comment that I want to, you know, obviously any general, any comments we make about women and negotiating is a generalization. It doesn't apply to everybody. It's just, you know, what we've observed trending. So, you know, before we talk about that more, I just want to say that obviously any generalizations we make based upon gender, you know, women are not, of course, true across the board, although, um, you know, many folks who work in this area do see trends. And I also want to acknowledge that not everybody identifies binarily, you know, as a man or a woman. So with those caveats out of the way, Ashley, what do you think it is that has, you know, you and all those other little girls who asked for that biggest piece piece of cake get, I don't know, I'm using the word socialized. I don't want to lead the conversation. What are the factors that have them often when they get older not fully on the value, not ask for that biggest piece of cake? Great question. And this is the crux of, honestly, the work that I do. And it's, I think, yes, partially, right, we're socialized as women to people please, to be the good girl. But I think it goes even deeper than that. And along the way, we lose our sense of self. We kind of abandon our truth in order to ensure that we're liked, in order to avoid potential negative consequences and often real negative consequences. And so we learn as we get older that speaking up, depending on who it is and what we're speaking up for, can have negative consequences. And I find that sometimes we lose our truth. We forget about that version of ourselves that existed. And somehow our sense of self or our sense of worthiness is completely dependent upon external validation right? We, we end up feeling that we're only good enough if we get that external validation. And yes, that comes with, right, society expecting us to have a certain career path and make a certain amount of money and we're supposed to look a certain way and all of those, right, factors. But I think if we're not taught or given the opportunity to build our own sense of self through self-awareness and this, you know, inner journey, it definitely impacts our confidence and, Right. It's this, it's, it is this inner work around how do we repair and heal when we've had a negative or traumatic or painful experience in our life? Do we go within inside of the shell to make it work, to do the best that we can in the world that's around us? Or can we use that 
painful experience to build our strength and move on. Yeah, you know, it's listeners of this podcast or anybody who's uh, seen some of my other content, you know, understand how consistent uh, that is with with my views. And, you know, and I, what I always say is that, uh, listen, there, there, are way, there are things in society that have everybody not want to fully own their value, no matter what gender they identify as. But I do think that there are significant additional things that are directed towards women and not only in terms of advertising and all these other things that make us feel like we're not good enough, but in terms of actual workplace experience, um, you know, um, I think it's a problem for everybody that is then compounded by additional significant factors, you know, for for women. So, okay, so let's just jump right into it. So, you know, we're not talking about, you use the term inner work, which is another thing that I talk about all the time. And I think that's where the game is played. So, you know, in my experience, conversations that are deep like this, like not owning your value, it's not like, you know, you can give somebody like one homework assignment or a tip and, you know, everything's going to change because it's not only it's not tactical. It's not only strategic. You know, it's it's that internal body of work. So can you talk about that, you know, more about what does it take to really transform that? Yes, this is like so many of my clients come to me because they want to ask for a raise or they want to ask for a promotion or they're looking for a new job and they want to get that like director level spot. and. <laughs> they think, right, it feels like, oh, there's there's a hurdle. There is an external barrier that I'm facing. You know, even if I have a female boss, I'm feeling like I'm not being recognized. I'm not being heard. And so they come to me with these challenges, the real world challenges of the external barriers that they've faced in their career, which is an issue. But what happens is we end up diving deep into their relationship with money and their worthiness, right? So money is so connected to our world, we need it for survival, but so many of our feelings are wrapped into needing money to feel safe. And that's where for most of my clients, they weren't even really fully aware of how deep their relationship with money ran and how it was impacting their career. So, I mean, it's, you know, my activator program is a four month process. I work with some clients for years. I'm constantly working with coaches on this because I think it's a life's journey. But usually in terms of getting started here, it's really identifying like in ways, what ways have you been held back or what ways are you holding yourself back? What's no longer serving you? What inner belief system is no longer serving you from creating the life or career that you want? And from that place, I think it's being willing and open to look in the rearview mirror to then start taking small inspired action towards the life you want. So to not let your past dictate your future. And so this is it's a process. You know, coaching work can be really amazingly life-changing. And and yes, there are negotiation tips, right? I, you you should always negotiate. You never want to leave money on the table. You should always make your ask because if you don't, the answer is no. But if you don't address that emotional, energetic connection to your feelings of worthiness and money, it will either leave you feeling empty or frustrated or resentful. Yeah. And it's usually one of the things I often say is that for the most part, you're never going to get nobody's going to give you more than you think you're worth, you know, because even if you ask for it, because people sense whether, you know, you really feel like you deserve it, you know, and how strong you are. And when I say strong, I don't mean like aggressive, like some tactic, but I mean, confident, comfortable in your body around owning it. And when you don't have that, you're much less likely to get it. Right. Yes. I mean, a lot of my clients, this has been a bigger surprise for me, Corey, and starting my own business is that I work with a lot of female entrepreneurs, women who want to start their business. Maybe they didn't even know they had this dream that they wanted to do that until they you know, worked with me or found me. And, and I would do a lot of work right around these sales calls because for women, especially we can feel taken advantage of, 
or so many women like hate sales because we feel like someone's going to make us do something that we don't want to do. And so as a leader or a business owner, I help my clients, right? Really, as you said, own it, feel it in their body, right? You can't talk about money and throw out a number if you're afraid of it and you don't think you even deserve it because the energy of like desperation, people can feel that before you even right, open your mouth or step in the room. And so that's a big piece of it is being comfortable knowing that only you can say yes or no to whatever's offered. No one can ever sell you anything. <laughs> yeah, that ultimate control. And, you know, I even know for myself, I think all of us have a journey around, right? Really figuring out what we're worth and how we own that and how we present it, you know, and how we get that. And I know for me, really, yes, I do some external research on what the market is and all that kind of stuff. Those are good input points. But fundamentally, I get quiet and, and I get, you know, in terms of, let's say I'm setting my rates for the year and I get quiet and I, I just get to the, what is the, the number that I can fully own? What is the number that I can confidently say, you know, that I'm providing value for the client at or above that? And when I say above, I don't mean like, I'm going to provide, I'm only charging half of what I'm really worth, but right. you know, but you want to meet or, you know, and slightly exceed client's expectations and, and have them look at, you know, what you charge. And that's the number that I go with. And I've been able to own bigger and bigger numbers over time in part, obviously because of building a reputation and all that stuff and getting, you know, practical stuff, but mostly is sort of building my inner muscle around it. Mm -hmm. So I call that taking the glass ceiling test. So I have my clients, right, take that glass ceiling test, meaning you should never ask for a raise or in front of your boss for the first time. So saying it out loud, I don't know if this is part of your process or not, Corey, but I have my clients, right, say the salary that they want to be making or earning out loud and to notice, right, if they're energetically aligned with that number or if they're still scared or if, right, it's not big enough because many times they surprise themselves and say, you know what, I am worth more. It should be right two hundred thousand instead of one fifty, and so talking about money is so important in this process. Actually, and again, that's another place where, depending on your culture, your gender, all of those pieces, most of us weren't raised to talk about money. Most of us were raised that it's inappropriate or wrong or rude to talk about money, and that certainly plays into these pieces around you know how much should I ask for without sounding greedy. It's a fascinating topic, you know, and it's you know it's something that impacts, uh, yeah, people who are asking for raises. It impacts entrepreneurs and when they're setting their pricing, any kind of pricing, but certainly in service businesses where I find that some of my clients have an easier time if they have a product because the product is a little more separated, you know, from them. <laughs> if they're a consultant or a professional of any type or coach or, you know, whatever, accountant, lawyer, you know, anybody who's selling professional services or personal services in any way, it's so hard for that to, not to be tied up with their own view of their own self-worth. Mm -hmm. Let's take a break from the show for a minute so I can invite you to a new way to determine your deal readiness. I created a fast and easy assessment that will determine exactly how deal ready you are. Once you complete the assessment, I use your responses to identify the obstacles that are holding you back from being a deal-driven growth genius. It's as easy as heading to coreycupfer.com slash assessment. That's coreycupfer.com slash assessment and filling out a few multiple choice questions. I'll be checking in after the episode to see what your results are. Now back to the show. So what else do you see out there in terms of negotiating, uh, you know, trends, tips, mistakes people make, you know, how it adversely affects their ability to get deals done, those kind of things? I think from if I wear my HR hat for a moment or, or share just the corporate company point of view, I think organizations and businesses, right, expect people to negotiate. I think that's something that 
I negotiated my first job offer out of college, but it was because I didn't know any better. What I mean by that is it got harder and harder for me to negotiate the further up the corporate ladder I went because it mm-hmm. felt like so much more was at risk. And I, even being in HR, having that insider's knowledge and access to salary data, it was still very scary for me to self-advocate. And so I think if you're making deals, if you're negotiating, right, to understand that it's a part of business, it's a part of the process, it's, it's expected to negotiate. You're going to end up getting more information and learning more about the potential new boss or the employer or the vendor or client that you're going to be hiring or working with if you negotiate. I just like to say it's the last step of any interview process because you actually get to see what it's going to be like for you when you're actually working with that person, right? How do they handle the conversation around money? Companies have a budget, of course, that they need to work within, but I don't see HR or managers right in the back office, right? Trying to scheme to screw people in terms of, right? Trying to get the lowest amount for the most amount of work. I mean, some cultures maybe, but in general, it's companies want to look flexible and they want you to negotiate so they can give you something. Mm. But if you don't ask, right, then you leave money on the table. And so I think from that perspective, just empowering yourself to ask, even if the answer is no, you're going to learn more. And you learn so much more about that process. And I I just like to say, go for no. You haven't really negotiated unless you've heard the words no, because that's when you can actually start solving problems. That's when you know where their limits are for the other person on the other side of the table and you can find the solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that, you know, that raises the concept of being willing to get a no raises fear of rejection and all that other stuff that comes up. Right. Yes. Yeah. If you're doing that inner work. You know, it's not right. It doesn't mean they're rejecting you per se. They just might be rejecting right your offer or you may need to show more value. And that's the same thing if you're a business owner and a client isn't right saying yes to your rates, then you go back to the value piece, right? What's the value? What's the, but so many of us, right, do attach our feelings of worthiness to the outcome. And that's a big piece of the work that I do, letting go of the outcome and instead trusting in the process. Yeah. And that raises an interesting flip side to it, right? So for example, I don't negotiate my rates. And the reason I don't negotiate my rates is not because I'm a tough guy or, you know, I'm trying to, it's just that I have done all that work to figure out what is truly the value of what we're providing. I've gotten to a place where I own it and I am confident that we're providing value out of beyond, you know, what we charge for it. So client recently who reached out and said, hey, you know, the other attorneys I work with, give me a 10 to 15% discount because we give you a lot of business. You know, and my response to him was to really explain to him my process and the fact that, you know, for me, I, I just come from, uh, you know, when, when I was younger and I was in law firms, you would see this dynamic happen where people would, where clients would negotiate rates and then the, the firm knew they were going to negotiate the rates. So then they artificially bumped their rates higher to allow for the discount that the client was going to ask for. And then also when you're billing by the hour and some things, you know, that we do as, as, as lawyers, or even as a fixed fee, you can inflate it. You know, but uh, on, on an hourly basis, you know, it also caused this inauthentic incentive for people to, let's call it, round up the number of hours they put in if they knew the client was going to be discounting the rate. And I just explained it to them. I said, I'm not willing to play that game. I, we, we look very carefully at the rates. We provide value. You know, what you get is, as a top client is you get, you get priority responsiveness, right? But, you know, we don't, and, you know, and he was fine with that. And, and, and you know, it was effectively you know, you know, clients are going to test. Why not? You know, and for me, I looked at it and I said, okay, you know, listen, he understood the value on my value and, and he was fine with it. Right. But so many people hesitate to do that. And 
you know, I'm just curious because it's the flip side of what we've been talking about, right? The ability to negotiate. Sometimes people try to negotiate with you. And the question is, do you negotiate or not? Ah, yes. So it's a tough one, right? But as the more I own my value and my rates and my the results, right? The less and less I negotiate. So in the beginning of my business, right? And when I was really in survival mode, I was more willing and open to do that. But now I set, as you write my annual rates. And so I negotiate sometimes with clients, but not very often because I offer different options and packages and they can choose and that's the rate it is. But with companies for speaking, for an example, I just raised my rates and I started getting yeses. And so I'm negotiating less and less in that space because I can hold the energy for my higher rate. And I know that if I've been paid once, then it's possible for me to be paid twice. So that's maybe the my view as an entrepreneur. And I also know if Corey, that organizations, I know you work with a lot of CEOs and CEOs might be listening here. You know, if a company were to take that approach and actually be transparent with their employers about the way pay decisions were made, if they, you know, for whatever reason said, we don't negotiate, but we are going to pay at the top of salary bands, right? What a potential game changer in terms of equity in the workforce, because so much of this is, yes, we have to ask because we don't know if we're leaving money on the table. And it almost feels like a game. And that's part of the reason why. I started my business and left corporate. I get it. And listen, there are, you know, I mean, you hear less about it, interestingly, in recent years. But, you know, there was a time uh, probably, uh, I would say, I heard a lot more like from five years ago to 15 years ago, where, you know, this whole open book, transparent financial approach where they did some some companies started to do that, where it was all, you know, totally transparent. People saw not only salary, but financials and whatever. I think a certain number of companies adopted that. It's still a significant minority. You know, and I haven't. I feel like that movement's kind of stalled a bit. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, there's other probably more pressing (laughs) movements right now. (laughs) But I I think if we look at it from a deal-making standpoint, like there's always usually a solution to be found. And if not, like that's when you also own your worth, right? If you have to walk away or if you have to say no to a client because you just can't come to an agreement, it's probably best in the end for both of you. So um, I think it's okay to to have those conversations. And that's where a lot of people, right, just, they fear it because they fear the worst case scenario or they don't know what they would say. But if we look at it more as less negotiation and more of problem solving conversation, then I think it opens it up to uh, being more fruitful and less scary. Yeah, 100%. And listen, I want to acknowledge that, you know, like you said, I mean, earlier in my career when it's easy to, I mean, the work is largely internal, but it's also, frankly, easier to hold your value when you've got plenty of business. And, you know, when you like, I get to the point where I'll trust if it's not, you know, if a client can't meet my rates, I'll, I'll try to find them somebody who could work with them, you know, or they're not the right client for me and, and someone else will come. And I'm at a place where that happens. But, but certainly earlier in my career, yeah, I definitely negotiated more. You know, I tried not to, but listen, when, it's a very different situation. I mean, I remember when I, when I first started my law firm, I started doing um, teacher union legal plan work where they would send me clients, but it was at $65 an hour when I think my rate back then was 150. This was forever ago. And my friends who were still at the big firms in New York City, you know, who were saying, why are you working for $65 an hour? You know, when you charge 150, 175, I was like, you know, if I had enough business at 150, 175, I wouldn't be taking $65 work. But that's not on the menu. My menu is zero, right? Versus 65. So you got to be realistic as well. Yeah. And that's the piece right around the relationship with money. Because when, again, from the female perspective that I hear and I see and I've felt, it's we feel we're, we've overgiven, right? We're at that verge of burnout because we haven't allowed ourselves to receive more. 
And so it's really about once we can take care of our own needs, once we're not in that survival mode, then when we're earning great money, we can then do more volunteering. We can offer more resources for free, right? That's when it becomes much easier. And so, yes, I offer a lot of free value, right? And still sometimes give talks for free. So those types of things. But yes, because I'm able to now that I have right some financial stability and freedom in the business. But when you're asking yourself, right, to like, that's why I think negotiation is so powerful is because when you can get yourself out of that survival mode and more into an abundance mode, that's when you can share your gifts with the world. That's when you can make an impact. That's when you have better relationships. It just is a trickle effect. And it's really important that we take care of our needs first so we can continue being givers as women. Yeah, I totally get that. And, and it's also, you know, it's a big difference between you at this point, you know, and I do as well, deciding to, you know, like I have a certain number of talks I'll give, you know, for free, you know, each year, right? Like, you know, in normal times when I'm when I'm speaking like you, I'm a professional speaker as well. But it's very different when you're just making a decision that, hey, you know, for a certain number or for these particular organizations that I really care about, I'm going to donate my time. Then when you when then when you're doing it because you don't think you're worth it, like that's that's a very different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for pointing that out. It's very different. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and it's a great thing to do, right? To be able to say, hey, you know, I mean, I own my value, and I'm providing a lot of value for this nonprofit organization or this whatever it is. But I'm doing that because you know, I really care about their mission or meaning, or maybe it's you doing a favor for a close friend or, you know, whatever the circumstances are. And you're right. You get to do, you know, you get that freedom to be able to do that by standing for your value and, you know, putting yourself in a better financial position in, in the rest of your business. Yeah. And I think the, I don't know, the negative consequences or the, the fear of, right, pushback or, you know, sometimes it's very real and sometimes it's right based off of that old childhood thing that we, you know, you and I discussed in the beginning is sometimes that one negative experience in our life can still show up for us so many years later. And I think that's where this is like really powerful because as adults, now we get to transform that we get to choose, right? How that shows up in our life. And especially for people listening right to your work and this podcast, it's the more inner work they do, the more it easier it is for them to have conversations with other people about this. And and I call it just like the ripple effect, right? The more that we can talk about this with, with less of a charge, the better it is for everybody involved. Yeah. I love that. All right. Any other thoughts um, before we um, start to move to a conclusion here? Uh, any other trends you're seeing or thoughts that you have or common issues that people come up that, you know, in terms of what, uh, you know, how you work with people? giving yourself permission to identify a big ask. So, I mean, we're coming up on a new year, hopefully a better year in 2021. So identifying like what's one area that you've held yourself back? What's one thing that you really, really would want? What would be, what would be a game changer for you? And just giving yourself permission to start now, like start doing research, start preparing, start looking at your relationship with money, but just do pick one thing that you'd love to have and one way that it's you're holding yourself back from going after it because you know, being the co-creator of your career or your business, right, is really powerful and important. And I don't know, I just think it's, it has to start with each of us. If we want to make the change that we want to in the world, uh, we have to start with ourselves. So I would say just start thinking about a big ask and figure out a plan to get going on it. Because I would also say, Corey, I'm not sure about you, but I've, I continually invest in my own right inner work and coaching because yes. the return on that investment is huge. We're the best investments we'll ever make in ourselves, right? So I think starting at work and knowing that no one gets to quote unquote, the top right alone. I just want to empower people to go after it. I love it. I mean, listen, for me, the number of books and programs and personal growth courses and business training courses and 
coaching, you know, that I've done over the decades, you know, has been invaluable. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. I mean, uh, you know, not only lifelong learner, because that's sometimes is just people think about that. That's, you know, just informational knowledge wise, but there's that other piece that, that, you know, that personal growth and business growth and, you know, and leadership growth. And yeah, I'm, I invest like crazy and all that stuff. hundred percent. Good stuff. So, well, talk to me before I'm going to ask you to give, you know, uh, uh, your contact information, because I know people are going to want to reach out to you. But before we go there, you know, we talk generally and people have an idea, but specifically who are your ideal clients, uh, you know, who are you really looking to work with, who gets the most value from working with you? Yeah. So women in corporate who are either at that mid-level, mid to high level. So if you're someone who's looking to really be recognized, you feel like you've been overworking, but under either paid or under recognized or undervalued, you know, most of my clients end up getting promoted to that director level, which can be really hard for women to break into that glass ceiling. Big raises if you're feeling like you're underpaid. So really just women who are doing amazing things in corporate, but oftentimes feel afraid to speak up for themselves. So I work with any woman who wants to own their worth, who wants to own their value, and then wants to start seeing it, like receiving for all the hard work that she's done. And so this can be whether you've just started your own business or you want to start your own business or you're looking to grow in corporate because we need more female empowered leaders at the top in corporations to help make some good change. And so if you, a woman who wants to continue leading and also be recognized, I think it's so important, again, that we take care of ourselves so we can take care of others. And that's what I can help clients do. Uh, That's great. And no question. And listen, there's uh, more and more studies that come out every month about how companies that have more women in leadership on boards and things like that actually perform better. So it's in the company's economic interest, uh, if not for any other reason, to help uh, you know women grow and be promoted and pay them what they deserve and you know, and have them uh, be at, at executive and, you know, on board and manager levels. Uh, no question. Absolutely. What's the best place for people to reach out to you, Ashley? Definitely my website. So you can head on over to ownyourworth.com and check out my TEDx talk. You can check out the Activator Leadership Program and all of my free webinars and content. So it's ownyourworth.com or people can reach out directly to me. I love connecting. So my email address is ashley at ownyourworth.com. Great. Ashley at ownyourworth.com and ownyourworth.com website. And all of this and some of the other links that to Ashley's stuff is going to be in the show notes, folks, as, as always. So Ashley, my final question on the podcast is always about freedom, which is my highest ideal. And for me, freedom is, it's really a huge conversation for me with everything from freedom from oppression and discrimination and for all people to, you know, why I'm an entrepreneur and I run my own business and, you know, I want to make my own decisions and, you know, decide what I judge people, right? You know, so what does freedom mean to you and how does it impact your life and business? I love this. Such a good question. My, I think I'm very similar to you in that I truly value freedom. One of the main reasons why I started my business as well to be, have the freedom to create, have the freedom to solve problems, have the freedom to try and to fail. And I think financial freedom is definitely important and empowering. And I think I used to definitely feel like, you know, financial freedom was the thing, but I'm learning uh, through life happening that truly I think it's about resiliency. So freedom for me is trusting in myself that no matter what happens, no matter what comes my way, I will be resilient and yeah, I'll be able to own my worth and get through and come out stronger on the other side. Love it. Ashley Parade, thank you so much for being on the Deal Quest podcast. Thank you so much, Corey. 
Thank you for joining me on this episode of DealQuest, where we help you understand how deal-driven growth can be your ticket to freedom. I want to invite you to a unique way to tap into the wisdom and experience of the DealQuest community. Join the DealQuest Deal Den Zoom calls, a free monthly 90-minute mastermind. In the mastermind, we address all the challenges you may be facing and help support you with the opportunities that may arise in terms of deal-driven growth. You will get input not only from me, but all the members on the call will collaborate and serve each other in a mastermind format. To sign up for the free mastermind, go to www.coreycupfer.com slash dealden. That's coreycupfer.com slash dealden. I'll see you there. I'm Corey Kupfer. Until next week, wishing you the freedom and financial prosperity that I know your deal quest will bring.